the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to have a conversation with Ron Post, author of Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. He was the founder of Northwest Medical Teams um, right here in the Pacific Northwest. We'll hear from Ron Post, his story. That's coming up later in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll also follow some of the developments in Israel as the war there threatens to become a rather expansive ground war. Anyway, we'll cover all of that and more. Well, American citizens are among those captured by Hamas terrorists, according to the president, confirming today. And Hamas has killed at least 14 Americans so far in their terror attacks against Israel. There are 20 Americans, 20 known who are missing. And the thought is that some, if not all of them, have been carried into Gaza as hostages. Hamas terrorists invaded Israel on Saturday on the 50th anniversary of the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Pro-Palestinian terrorists have murdered more than a 1,000 Israeli citizens and wounded thousands more. Flanked by Vice President Kamala Harris and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, the president said that the U.S. unequivocally stands with Israel and will make sure the country can defend itself against the hatred and violence of Hamas terrorists. The president failed to mention Hamas's connection to Iran, despite the fact that Hamas thanked Iran for its help which is the terror group's primary financial backer and, according to the Wall Street Journal, was heavily involved in planning and providing the resources for the weekend attack. Well, the Hamas attack came weeks after the Biden administration unfroze $6 billion in Iranian funds. They're being held in gutter in a bank there in exchange for the release of five American prisoners from Iranian custody. Members of the GOP have called on the president to freeze those funds, and he does have the ability to do that or reissue them to Israel, pointing out that the funds, which the administration insisted can only be used for humanitarian purposes, help free up the Iranian regime to further fund terror in the region. When prompted at the press briefing on Tuesday, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters, we have not yet had one dollar of the six billion spent and I will leave it at that. Well, after confirming that Hamas holds American hostages, the president said that the U.S. will share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts rather on hostage recovery efforts. Because as president, I have a high priority than the safety, a no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world. He didn't directly urge Hamas to release U.S. hostages, however. The families of four missing American citizens said on Tuesday that they expect nothing less than for Biden and Blinken to bring the U.S. citizens back home safe and sound. Hamas terrorists threatened on Monday to live stream civilian executions every time an Israeli bomb strike hits a Palestinian home without warning, you know, sort of like they did in Israel without warning. One of the suspected U.S. hostages, Hirsch Goldberg Pollen, he attended the uh, Supernova 
Supernova Music Festival where Hamas slaughtered 260 civilians, mostly young people. He's not answered calls since then. His mother, uh, Rachel Goldberg, said, uh, but she uh, knows that Hirsch was put on a pickup truck and driven away by Hamas. Another U.S. citizen and a father of two with a third child on the way went missing on Saturday morning. We are waiting to hear from him uh, to come home, his father said. The president decried Hamas's abhorrent terrorism, adding that the U.S. would send ammunition and uh, interceptors to replenish Israel's Iron Dome defense system. When Congress returns to session, he added Biden will uh, ask Congress to fund Israeli defense efforts. Well, reading K.T. McFarland, who is a specialist uh, on Fox News, she writes that hard as it is to draw your eyes away from the horrors of Hamas's attack on Israel, it's important to take a step back to see the bigger picture and what it portends for the future. This war could quickly escalate into a regional war if Iran, Israel and others decide it's now or never. Make no mistake, while Hamas terrorists might be doing the actual fighting, Iran is pulling the strings. Iran funds Hamas, supplies their weapons and gave the order to attack Israel from the West. If Hezbollah terrorists join the fight and attack Israel from Lebanon in the north, it will again be in Iran's behest because Iran also funds and arms Hezbollah. If splinter terrorist groups go against Israel from the Palestinian territories in the east, Israel will face a multi-front war fought by Palestinians but paid for and directed by Iran. Iran has been arming Hamas and Hezbollah for years. Uh, Why um, light the fuse now? Well, because Iran figures it's now or never. And she offers several uh, several points. First, the window to sabotage Arab-Israeli peace is closing. In the last several weeks, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, they have both said that they are close to an historic agreement. It would be the final step in the peace process that began in the Trump administration with the Abraham Accords. Peace between Israel and the Sunni Arab Gulf nations uh, would pave the way for trade and investment. It would isolate Iran politically, economically, diplomatically, and militarily. She offers, second, Iran sees the Biden administration as a golden opportunity. During his first term, President Trump bankrupted uh, Iran thanks to increased U.S. energy production and lower oil prices. Iran now only had reduced oil uh, revenues, but sanctions meant Iran had difficulty exporting oil regardless of the price. Iran's funding of Hamas and Hezbollah had begun to dry up. At the uh, same time, President Trump cut funds uh, to these terrorist groups. President Biden reversed Trump's energy policy and cut back U.S. production. Oil prices went up. Biden removed sanctions on Iranian energy exports and resumed half a billion dollars of humanitarian funding to Palestinian groups which they've uh, used for military purposes under the leadership of Hamas. Biden gave Iran access to $6 billion in exchange for releasing five American hostages. Suddenly, Iran had billions to support terrorists and build nuclear weapons. And third, she points out, Hamas' attack on Israel was only the first step. The second step was to goad Israel into a massive counterattack. That's why Hamas deliberately targeted civilians rather than the Israeli military, government facilities and infrastructure. They set out to slaughter innocents. They've taken grandmothers and little children hostage. They've gone house to house, gunning down families. They've paraded naked young Israeli women in the streets. They're taking videos and proudly sending them out to the world. Hamas terrorists may just want to kill Jews, but Iran has a bigger goal, forcing Israel to respond with a devastating scorched earth invasion of Gaza. 
Hamas locates its military headquarters and arms depots in schools, hospitals and mosques. They use their own people as human shields for their propaganda value. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, Ron Post. He's the founder of Northwest Medical Teams. It's Medical Teams International now, but this was a Northwest organization. And Ron Post, the founder, has uh, authored a book, Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. It's quite an intriguing story. Well, Jason Bedrick points out that 50 years ago, Israel was also caught by surprise when Arab armies invaded on Yom Kippur, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. Well, this time, the Palestinian terrorists chose to attack on um, it's the Simchat Torah, the most joyous holy day in the Jewish calendar, when Jews celebrate the completion of the annual cycle of studying the Torah and then immediately begin it again. Well, their choice of this date is no coincidence. It's a sign that Hamas, like their predecessors, see themselves at war not only with the government of Israel, but also with the children of Israel and the God of Israel, the Jewish people and Judaism itself. Bedrick goes on, the attack has been called Israel's 9-11, and appropriately so, as with America on September 11, 2001, Israel was caught off guard by new terrorist tactics that caused an unprecedented civilian death toll. On a per capita basis, the Israeli death toll is the equivalent of about seven 9-11 attacks. Imagine if al-Qaeda had massacred more than 21,000 American citizens on Christmas. Imagine further that in addition to all the hostages who died immediately upon the impact of the hijacked planes into buildings, al-Qaeda had just kidnapped several thousand American citizens from their homes or public venues, like concerts, or brought them back to Afghanistan to use for ransom or as human shields. That's what Israel is enduring right now. Already, members of Congress, Hamas caucus, have called for an immediate ceasefire and de-escalation, in essence, telling Israel not to defend itself. Representative Rashida Tlaib, a Democrat from Michigan, issued a statement about the terror, the terror attack in Israel and failed even to mention Hamas. She also placed the blame for the carnage, what Tlaib euphemistically called resistance, squarely on Israel. Instead of condemning terrorism, Tlaib lamented the cycle of violence and called for an end to the occupation, by which he means an end to Jewish sovereignty in the Jewish homeland where Jews have lived continuously for thousands of years. Those calling for a ceasefire or prattling about a cycle of violence are really calling for Israel's unilateral disarmament. They're calling for Hamas and Iran to be able to massacre Israelis with impunity and then be rewarded with sovereignty, a sovereign Israel territory. The Americans with a moral compass should recognize these disingenuous declarations for what they are. At best, Tlaib and the squad, so-called, are useful for a Nazi-like Islamo-fascist regime bent on genocide of the Jews at best. That's no exaggeration. On Saturday, Iranian Supreme Leader Saeed Ali Khomeini made his genocide intent clear in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter. God willing, the cancer of the usurper Zionist regime, Israel, will be eradicated at the hands of the Palestinian people and the resistance forces throughout the region, end quote. His prayer, his unholy prayer for mass murder of Jews, was posted alongside a video of Israeli youth fleeing from a music festival that was the site of a massacre by Iranian-backed Hamas terrorists. More than 260 bodies of murdered Jewish youths have been located so far. 
Eyewitness accounts have described young Israeli women being raped next to their friends' bodies, dead bodies. Videos have emerged of Hamas terrorists parading around the naked bodies of their murder victims, taunting captive children and murdering children in front of their families. Some 40 beheaded infants were found earlier today. In one video, a woman begs the terrorists for her life as they abduct her. Well, Iran's role in the attack on Israel is clear as day. Hamas spokesperson Ghazi Hamad told BBC that Iran gave them a green light for the attack. The Wall Street Journal has reported that, according to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah, Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps had worked with Hamas since August to devise the air, land and sea incursions. Tehran's ultimate culpability for the attacks is pretty clear. Heritage Foundation national security experts Victoria Coates and Robert Greenway explained, absent significant training, equipment and intelligence capabilities supplied by Iran, Hamas would never have been able to have carried out such an operation. In other words, no Iran, no attacks. As is so often the case, the Jews are the proverbial canary in the coal mine. Israel might be the first target, but they are far from the last. Last December, senior Hamas official Mahmoud al-Azhar, he openly bragged about his plans for world domination, saying, We believe what our prophet Muhammad said. Allah drew the ends of the world near one another for my sake, and I have seen its eastern and western ends. If Israel is the, the uh, little Satan, America the great Satan, Believe them when they say annihilation is the goal. Unfortunately, the administration failed to recognize that we are in a civilization, a civil, civilizational war against genocidal um, actors who oppose everything that America and Israel stand for and who are actively seeking nuclear weapons. Iran is still the world's leading sponsor of terrorism. And nevertheless, in September, the administration um, arranged for six billion dollars to be made available to Iran as ransom for American hostages. We're all glad to see them return to their homes and safety, but at what cost and what future cost, one wonders. Meanwhile, there's growing evidence that Iran operated a spy ring right under the noses of the Obama and Biden administrations, executing uh, a disinformation campaign designed to present the Iranian regime as a legitimate government engaged in nuclear negotiations in good faith. Well, I could go on and on about that, but won't um, won't continue. But you might want to uh, explore more of um, Jason Bedrick uh, writing on the subject of Iran's role in Hamas and the attack on Israel. Very uh, helpful in understanding events as they are currently unfolding. Well, on another um, um, story, uh, critics are assailing the uh, president's war on American energy on the National Energy Appreciation Day, which was earlier this week or Let's see, the fifth would have been last week, rather. Senator Cynthia Loomis sponsored a resolution establishing the first ever National Energy Appreciation Day. And the Wyoming Republican had much to say about American energy at a panel discussion marking the occasion on Wednesday. As the administration continues to put our domestic energy producers on the back burner with its war on American energy, it is essential that we pause to recognize and celebrate their invaluable contributions to our daily lives that we so often take for granted, she explained in a press statement. National Energy Appreciation Day is slated for the first Wednesday in October, which is observed as a National Energy Awareness Month in the U.S. Mandy Gunnisarka, or something very like that, who's the director of the Center for Energy and Conservation at the Independent Women's Forum, 
had the idea for Wednesday's panel discussion, dubbed American Energy for Prosperity, and held it at the Heritage Foundation in Washington. Let's take some time to recognize the fact that we've flipped the switch, she said. The lighters, uh, the rather the lights, generally speaking, come on. Well, the country's frontline energy workers are the backbone of American energy, she said, noting that power um, uh, they power our economy working through the night to ensure that there are no disruptions. It is appropriate that we celebrate our frontline energy workers, acknowledge their importance to our economy, and do this annually, she went on to say. Well, anyway, the Biden administration has uh, been striving to eliminate the fossil fuel in- uh, industry in the United States in the name of mitigating climate change. But even if we got rid of all fossil fuels in the U.S., this would only make a difference of two-tenths of one degree Celsius by the year 2100. Uh, Diana Fergot Roth pointed out, she's the director of the Center for Climate, uh, Energy, and Environment at the uh, foundation. Over the past 15 years, the United States emissions of carbon, uh, carbon rather have gone down by 1,000 million metric tons because of our use of clean natural gas, she said, or at least cleaner. Meanwhile, China's emissions have gone up by 5,000 million metric tons over the last 15 years. Biden's determination to shut down American energy production has had a ripple effect on the geopolitical stage. We have China helping support Russia in their war against Ukraine. We are buying Chinese technology for wind and solar infrastructure. We are buying their batteries, their wind technology, their solar technology. Then they take our money and join with Russia to fight our friends in Ukraine. It is a mad, mad world we live in. Quick break. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, that German family that faced deportation after making a home for themselves here in East Tennessee for the last 15 years, they have been granted a one-year stay of removal. Well, not substantial enough, but the development comes after lawmakers intervene on the uh, on behalf of the family, asking U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to reconsider the move. We're asking you and your office to give this family a chance to continue building their lives in Tennessee. It's our understanding that a court has ruled that they're allowed to stay indefinitely as long as they fulfill their obligation of checking in as ordered by ICE. To our knowledge, they have been faithful in doing so. A number of Tennessee lawmakers pled in a letter to ICE Deputy Director Patrick Lechleitner. To uh, uproot this family, who has been contributing to our city, county, state in many ways, seems unduly cruel and unnecessary. As time is uh, of the essence, we ask that a review of their circumstances be made and at least give this family more time. The uh, family originally from Germany fled to the U.S. after being fined for homeschooling their children in their mother country. Initially, an immigration judge found the uh, family's asylum claim appropriate. Five years later, however... Their asylum claim was denied, with authorities claiming they weren't persecuted. Homeschooling is illegal in Germany, and the family, along with their supporters, remained fearful that they would face the same persecution if they were ever forced to return. Well, an attorney representing the family, Kevin Bowden, explained that a judge initially found the family to have a well-founded fear of persecution as a particular social group, homeschoolers. However, the Obama administration appealed that finding to the Board of Immigration Appeals. Well, since President Biden took office, there have been millions of illegal crossings at our southern border. The number of crossings has skyrocketed because these migrants perceive the administration's border policies to be weak and ineffective. Instead of changing course, he doubled down when 
He visited Texas saying that you have confidence in our model. The model that you express such confidence in has consisted entirely of refusing to enforce the laws that protect our nation's sovereignty. The letter read in part. Instead, it went on. You have chosen to focus your time and resources on targeting the Romano family who legally immigrated to Morristown, Tennessee, over 15 years ago. The letter continued to describe the family as upstanding members of the Morristown community and noted their diligence in keeping up with check-ins with immigration agents. Well, the letter continued. This enforcement action highlights the two standards of justice that have been a consistent theme of President Biden's first two and a half years in office. You are targeting a family who fled Germany in search of basic parents' rights and have legally resided in the United States for years. Simultaneously, you have allowed millions of migrants, some of whom have been identified as terrorists, to enter the country with abandon. Well, according to the Tennessean, the family now has seven children, two of which were born here in the United States and are U.S. citizens. They have been granted a year of stay. Well, let's see. A Jewish um, House Democrat slammed two members of the socialist squad after they called to um, end the U.S. aid to Israel amid the country's war with the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas. Um, the comments from New Jersey Democrat Representative Josh, uh, Josh Gottheimer, he torched Democratic representatives Tlaib of Michigan and Bush of Missouri over their comments following the outbreak of war in Israel. In their statements, the pair, both progressives, called for U.S. assistance to Israel to end amid the war. Gottheimer, who is Jewish, he noted that two of his colleagues called for America to end assistance despite the countless images of Israeli children, women, men, elderly, including Americans, murdered by radical Iranian-backed Hamas terrorists. Families were violently pulled from their homes as hostages. This is a deliberate and coordinated attack, savagely targeting innocent civilians. It sickens me, he went on to say, that while Israelis clean the blood of their family members shot in their homes, they believe Congress should strip U.S. funding to our Democratic ally and allow innocent civilians to suffer, Gottheimer said. Hmm. Republican presidential candidate and former Representative Will Hurd of Texas is ending his long-shot bid to... uh, for the White House and endorsed one of his rivals for the GOP nomination, heard a former CIA spy turned three term congressman who in June launched an uphill bid for the 2024 Republican nomination, announced on social media Monday that it has become clear to me and my team that the time has come to suspend our campaign. A vocal critic of former President Donald Trump, who uh, the uh, who's the commanding frontrunner for the GOP nomination as he makes his third straight White House run endorsed former ambassador and former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley in his uh, now um, ended bid. A Biden administration uh, has begun delivering munitions and military equipment to Israel amid its war with Hamas. The uh, Pentagon is also reviewing inventories to see what can quickly be sent to boost Israel's military capabilities. The movement of weapons came as the president announced that 14 American citizens have been killed Uh, 20 plus are missing and presumed taken into uh, the Gaza by Hamas. Congress must pass more funding quickly for the U.S. to be able to give both Israel and Ukraine the weapons and munitions they both now need. uh, Army Secretary Christine Wormuth uh, said on Monday. House Republicans walked out of a nearly three hour conference meeting on Monday night, united over a sense of urgency and needing to pick a new House speaker. And little else. 
One of the most prominent debates to surface less than 72 hours before the Republicans are set to gather behind closed doors for their speaker election is whether to raise the threshold needed to put a candidate on the House floor. I don't think we ought to be changing the rules in the middle of the election. I just don't think it's wise. I also think there's uh, some wisdom of having members have their surnames called out and have to declare it to everybody. That's a quote from Representative Steve Womack out of Arkansas, who's backing Majority Leader Steve Scalise for speaker. Secret ballots uh, um, accomplishes very little, you know, other than gives you an opportunity to freely express yourself without being made known. But Representative Dusty Johnson, representative out of South Dakota, leader of the pragmatic Main Street Caucus, said he has uh, was leaning to favor or in favor of the change, but hadn't made up his mind. If it's going to take us four days to get a to get to 218, I think everybody should agree that burning that time on the floor is suboptimal. Well, they're going back and forth and expected to uh, re. Uh, gather in just the next well tomorrow house republicans are set to gather wednesday wednesday morning to elect their candidate for speaker via secret ballot um they need uh, 217 to 218 votes ex-speaker kevin mccarthy was elected in the full house after uh, 15 public rounds across three days after being selected behind closed doors via simple majority of the House GOP. He was removed last week by eight members of his own party and House Democrats. Multiple lawmakers indicated after their closed-door meeting on Monday that the vote on raising that threshold was expected before the closed-door election. Iraq's top judge... Uh, who seeks to uh, who sought rather and still seeks to arrest former President Donald Trump confirmed through his spokesperson that he had indeed been invited to Washington, D.C. There had been confusion about the controversial judge's visit to Washington when it uh, was revealed that he was to meet with officials from the Department of Justice. A State Department spokesperson said last week that the Supreme Judicial Council president is going to be hosted by the Department of Justice. So we defer to the Department of Justice to discuss their meetings. The department meets um, regularly with foreign judicial leaders, they went on to say. Yet conflicting with the State Department spokesperson statement, a source familiar with the situation, uh, last Thursday said that um, Zayden was not to be meeting with the Department of Justice officials. Well, on Monday, his spokesperson texted Fox News Digital on WhatsApp uh, writing his visit to Washington was postponed due to the current war conditions. When he visits Washington, he will hold a meeting with you to clarify many matters that are not clear to American public opinion. So in clearing matters up, it seems that it's not really all that clear. President Biden's decision to drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to its lowest level in decades is back in the spotlight amid the war between Israel and Palestinian Islamist group Hamas, which has caused oil prices to surge. On Monday, the Brent Crude Index, the Worldwide Oil Benchmark, and the U.S. WTI Index both surged more than 4% and inched closer to $90 a barrel as a result of volatility created by the Middle East crisis. According to analysts, the conflict triggered over the weekend after a series of unprovoked attacks by the militant groups may lead to large amounts of global oil supplies being withheld. If the conflict envelops Iran, up to 3% of global oil supply is at risk. And if a wider conflict eventuates, that ends up impacting transits um, through the Straits of Hormuz. Around 20% of global oil supply could be held hostage. Energy analyst Saul Kavanagh 
said in an interview with Reuters. Timing is everything, and the attacks almost certainly postpone any Saudi-Israeli reproachment, along with uh, any high-probability expectation of Saudi reducing or eliminating its extra 1 million barrels per day cut if prices resume their uh, recent fall. Analysts with Citibank added as well. A bad time for the Strategic Petroleum Petroleum Reserve to be drained to a decades uh, level, which is back in the spotlight. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up at the after the top of the hour, a conversation with Ron Post, the founder of Northwest Medical Teams and author of Unchanged. A man's journey from abuse to healing to saving lives. Well, the U.S. is sending warships to the Middle East region to support Israel. The uh, fighter jets and warships are deploying near Israel this week in support of the country. They're also intended to send an explicit message to Iran, according to current and former senior U.S. officials. That message, one the officials said, is a stand down specifically Uh, When it comes to any considerations by Tehran of unleashing the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah, this is all about deterring Iran, the official said, the U.S. to send military assets closer to Israel, the Pentagon announced. The Biden administration sending the ships of the Navy's USS Gerald Ford Carrier Strike Group to the eastern Mediterranean Sea and officials are planning to keep in place for the foreseeable future some F-16 and A-10 fighter jets that were scheduled to rotate out of the region. A chief White House correspondent, Simon Ateba, he says a U.S. ship carrying fighter jets has reached Israel's west coast to help Israel battle Hamas. Israel is retaliating following the attack by bombing buildings, mosques and universities. Civilians, women and children are fodder, according to Hamas, a pattern of housing their activities in those locations. A conservative watchdog group is referring Representative Jamal Bauman from New York for criminal prosecution after he was caught on camera pulling a fire alarm inside a House Representatives building amid tense talks to avoid a government shutdown last weekend. The Heritage Foundation's oversight project is alleging Bowman broke federal and local laws just after House Republicans announced they would rush a stopgap spending bill known as a continuing resolution to the House floor on Saturday. It caught some Democrats off guard and they claim they didn't have time to read it thoroughly. Now they're concerned about reading legislation thoroughly, something they rarely do in Washington. In a letter, Heritage claims Bowman's list of potential criminal violations includes a federal obstruction statute, which has been used by the Justice Department to prosecute alleged rioters who entered the Capitol on January 6th, 21, and calls for prison time of up to five years. The likelihood that he'll actually be charged? Yeah. I didn't think so either. A Wisconsin judge ruled on Tuesday in favor of parents and their right to know about their child's gender transition. Parents sued the Kettle Moraine School District outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin, over a policy that enabled and supported students' transitions to different gender identities at school without informing or receiving consent from the child's parents. Judge Michael Maxwell ruled in the... The county circuit court that the policy violates parents' constitutional right to determine the appropriate medical and health care for their children. Going forward, the judge said the district is no longer permitted to allow or require staff to refer to students using a name or pronouns at odds with the student's biological sex while at school without express parental consent. 
Well, supporters of Chris Christie's 2024 Republican presidential campaign, who are courting New Hampshire Democrats to win, pack your lunch, said one Republican about how long the speaker's race may take. Um, The uh, earliest floor vote, it's coming up. Well, actually, uh, Chris Christie asking for Democrats to support his presidential bid met with opposition. Hmm. Well, New York Representative Dan Goldman, a Democrat, was visiting Israel over the weekend when he and his family were forced to shelter in a hotel room from rocket fire launched by Hamas terrorists. The congressman was in Israel with his wife and three youngest children for a family bar mitzvah when Hamas began launching the attacks. A Goldman spokesman, Simone Cantor, said in a statement, adding that the attacks came on Shabbat and on the... Uh, Simchat Torah, one of the holiest Jewish holidays. Goldman and his family sheltered from uh, rockets uh, fire in the interior uh, stairwell of their hotel until they were able to safely depart for New York early Sunday morning. Cantor said Goldman is grateful for the assistance of the State Department and, and Israeli authorities, and he hopes all Americans can come together to support the right to defend herself, Israel's, from terrorism and war crimes. At least 1,100 people have been killed in the attacks thus far, and thousands more were wounded. In other news, federal agencies spent lavishly on upgrading their offices during COVID. Federal officials have been criticized after splashing $3.3 billion on swanky new office furniture during the pandemic when almost all staff worked from home. The egregious spending habits of the U.S. government included almost $250,000 on solar-powered picnic tables for the CDC, $120,000 on plush Ethan Allen leather chairs. A bombshell a watchdog report found that over $1 billion a year was spent on lavish decor for federal spaces between 2020, or rather, yes, 2020 and 2022, while just a fraction of employees made their way into the office amid the COVID-19 lockdown restrictions. Hmm. The Pentagon had the highest spending levels with one point two billion dollars in new furniture uh, purchases. The group noted other agency spending levels included four hundred and twenty eight million dollars by the Department of Veterans Affairs, four hundred and eight million by the Justice Department, three hundred and eight million by the General Services Administration, three hundred and two million by the State Department, one hundred and fifty five million by the Department of Homeland Security. House Budget Committee Chairman Jody Arrington told The Post. Excessive spending on luxurious furniture when more than half the federal workforce was teleworking is just symptomatic of the culture of wasteful spending that has plagued Washington, D.C. for decades. Meanwhile, candidate Trump fundraises over $45.5 million in quarter three, even with his legal troubles. Donald Trump's campaign said on Wednesday it raised over $45.5 million in the third quarter from July to September, nearly 30 percent higher than it raised in the previous quarter, while the former U.S. president faces multiple legal challenges. The acceleration in fundraising could be a sign that Trump's 2024 campaign coffers are benefiting from his legal problems, which include four indictments. The Trump campaign said it had over $37.5 million in cash on hand and that about $36 million of it is designated for the primary. Uh, The DeSantis campaign has $5 million cash on hand and could be spent on the primary. All candidates have until the 15th of this month to report what they've actually raised. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has backed the First Amendment and the NRA. A California law passed uh, 
Last summer banned firearms advertisements that could attract minors, but it also deemed likely unconstitutional by the Ninth Circuit Court. The attack on Israel's uh, spreads a second front opens on the border with Lebanon. Hamas threatens to broadcast the execution of hostages. The White House and lawmakers are weighing linking Ukraine and Israel aid. And Israel loosened its strict gun control laws to arm as many citizens as possible. Jack Smith's office urges Trump's classified documents trial should not be delayed. And the Smithsonian is um, displaying a signed Fauci mask. Uh, from when he threw out the first pitch at the Nationals game, along with Jill Biden's inauguration masks. And a male has been crowned Miss Portugal to become the second man in the Miss Universe pageant. Disney's unfavorability continues to grow as they embed themselves in politics. Disney's failed to make any inroads with conservative Americans who turned on the entertainment industry giant, over its woke politics, just over 60 percent of Republicans have an unfavorable opinion of Disney. The survey conducted by Rasmussen in late September found the results are starkly divided by political identity. For Democrats, the results are almost exactly the opposite. Sixty one percent of Democrats view Disney favorably and just 29 percent unfavorably. The polling indicates that Disney's woke politics have a real time impact on its standing popularity. We've got news coming up at the top of the hour. And when we return, a conversation I had with Ron Post, author of Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. Ron Post is the founder of Northwest Medical Teams, now Medical Teams International. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, there's a new memoir from Medical Teams International founder that details how he went from abuse victim to saving lives around the world. Well, in his new memoir, Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives, Ron Post admits that he should not have been the founder of a global medical humanitarian organization. He never envisioned receiving the National Jefferson Award for being a changemaker or being named one of America's unsung heroes by Newsweek magazine. He was a simple businessman with a family when he one evening news story forever altered his life. Well, we're going to hear more about that story. Ron Post founded Medical Teams International and Mission Increase. His worldwide work in humanitarian uh, in the human Humanities, I should say, earned him two honorary doctorates, one from Northwest Christian College and the second from Lewis and Clark College. The 1000 Points of Light Award presented by President George W. Bush, the World Service uh, Medal by Kiwanis International, the National Jefferson Award and was named one of America's unsung heroes by Newsweek. He and his wife, Jean, have three children and at this writing, six grandchildren. They reside right here in Oregon, uh, where they have continued to serve their communities while serving the world. I am so delighted to uh, welcome Ron Post to the program today. Thank you for joining us. Well, hi, Georgine. It's good to talk to you again. It's good to talk to you as well. I have to tell you, I've been thrilled all day just anticipating uh, having this opportunity. Uh, This is a wonderful book, but there are some things I think many of your readers will find surprising. You might get a little glimpse in the subtitle of the book, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. Yours is a story that is unexpected, but uh, thrilling to hear how God has used you in ways that even you didn't anticipate. Yes, it has been a a wonderful uh, experience, and yes, I did come from a life that was had childhood abuse in it. And um, but through finding Christ as my Savior, 
uh, I was able to find forgiveness for those who um, did hurt me and go on to uh, live a life of meaning and purpose. You and your wife are watching a news accounts of what we now refer to as the killing fields of Cambodia. Now, many of us saw that same newsreel. We were moved by it. We were horrified by the images we were seeing. But for you, it was a different experience. Tell us about how you watched that unfold on television and how that moved you in a direction that you had not anticipated. Well, first of all, just a, just a businessman watching news one night of the killing fields of Cambodia and um, there, was, there was a scene that came on, Georgine, that um, appeared to be a perhaps a, a teenage girl in, in, that they were picking up out of a rice field that maybe had starved to death. And at that time, I looked over on the couch where my 16-year-old daughter lay, and I thought, that could have been my daughter mm-hmm. there. And um, as as I pondered that, it was like someone handed me a plan that I was to raise up medical teams and take them there and help those people. And it it floored me. Uh, it was so strong. And when I finally could blurt it out to my wife and said, honey, this is what I feel like I'm called to do. She said, yes, I've been thinking that we need to do something. We've You've got to do this, Ron. And that was the beginning of God opening doors, unbelievable doors to make it happen. Yeah, it really is remarkable. You write that you felt utterly unqualified at the enormity of the task, and yet you picked up the phone and you made a phone call, and that sort of got, it was an act of obedience, and that got the ball rolling. Tell us how it started. I believe you called a local reporter? I did. I called uh, the reporter that I had seen the newscast, and um, it was about 11 o'clock at night. And he would later say, you know, you get a lot of calls at 11 o'clock at night. But he said somehow when this man told me what he wanted to do, uh, I felt like I need to listen to him. And so after hearing my story that I felt I was supposed to raise up medical teams, he said, why don't you call Mike Donahue at KOIN TV in Portland? And tell him. And I thought, okay. And I did, but never thought I would get through to Mike. But the, the Lord had already opened the door. <laughs> and and the, when the phone rang, Mike picked up the phone. And I told him my story again of how I felt led to raise up a medical team and take him over there. And Mike Donahue, who is now a dear, dear friend uh, and brother in the Lord, Mike says, Ron, why don't you call a news conference and tell people? And so, (laughs) never having done that before, I did. I called a news conference the next day and and went there, uh, actually, to talk to a couple of uh, missionary doctors about uh, this. And when I got there, I I had forgotten to tell them (laughs) that the news... (laughs) team might be there. And they were quite upset with me, by the way. (laughs) And I really felt bad. I apologized. But we sat down at this table and I began, and here's all the TV stations and the newspaper there. It was was beyond my uh, my, uh, reasoning or understanding. But God had placed them there. And actually, 
Georgine, the media God used to propel Northwest Medical Teams, now called Medical Teams International, uh, and did that for years and years and years. Uh, God used the media to help build Medical Teams International. And so from that um, from that press re- uh, conference, uh, uh, they said it'll be on the news tonight. Um, they said, well, give me a phone number and we'll uh, we'll put it on the screen. And I lived in Salem, not Portland. I thought, oh, gosh, I could give my home phone, but it's a long-distance call. By the way, young people wouldn't understand that today. <laughs> uh, it would be a long-distance call. And so I called a friend uh, who worked for the phone company. I said, Woody, they're going to put this thing on, I think, on the news tonight, and I, and I need a toll-free number. And he said, oh, yeah, I could help you, Ron. Uh, probably take about two weeks. Oh, no, Woody. And he said, what do you want, Ron? I said, I need it tonight. He said, that's impossible. I said, well, could you try, Woody? And a few hours later, he called me back and said, okay, I got it. You got two two toll-free lines. And so my beautiful wife, who has now gone to be with the Lord, uh, December 5th last year, mm-hmm. um, and I sat at a table in a borrowed office space and put our television screen on there on the table, and it came on at six o'clock. And after they told what we were trying to do to take a team to Cambodia, um, he said, "Here's a number you can call." The phone started ringing off the hook, and people were saying, "Hi, I'm an attorney, Rick Stein. Can I come down and just empty waste paper cans, whatever you want?" And another said, "Hi, I'm Ed Cameron." I, I'd like to come down and volunteer. I said, come on down. Someone called and said, I'm a doctor. I want to volunteer. Someone called and said, I I want to give to this. And this continued for, oh, two two weeks. And we raised $250,000 back in 1979. That's incredible. So it was was a miracle, Georgie. It was a miracle. Well, since then, Northwest Medical Teams, now Medical Teams International, has served countless uh, lives in countries around the world, most recently in war-torn Ukraine and in Uganda uh, as the Ebola virus reemerges. Could you have imagined in those early days when you're watching a newscast and God prompts you to do something in response to what you're seeing, that the, the ministry, the organization that you began would have such a significant impact all around the world for decades to come? No, I would have never dreamed that. Uh, I thought it was just a one-time thing. We'd take a team over there, we'd help, we'd come home. And, and basically I did. I came home and went back to my business. And it took another three or four years for God to really get my attention and say, Ron, I, I want this to be a permanent mm. mission. But it took me a, a little while to understand that. And uh, what kicked that the next one off was the great famine of Ethiopia in 1985. And that would propel us into a, a, um, a ministry full time. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about your experience in Ethiopia that left an impression 
on you that has remained to this day. Again, we're talking this afternoon with Ron Post. He is beloved in our community and around the world. His new book, Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. And he has done that in ways that uh, just have been a blessing all around the world. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. We're talking with Ron Post. He has a new memoir, and we are excited to introduce Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives that tells his story from start to finish in ways that will inspire and challenge you. Now, you write about an experience you had in Ethiopia, a camp there with over 150,000 hungry people. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that experience where every morning over 1,400 mothers with starving babies and children would line up as you offered medical attention and other um, uh, necessary items. Tell us a bit about that story. That was one of the greatest tragedies of our lifetime. Hundreds of thousands of people were dying of starvation from uh, crop failure uh, and also civil war. And um, we were there to help these people with our medical teams. Uh, One particular area of camp we worked in, there was a feeding center where we were taking in the most neediest uh, babies and children for intensive feeding. And so every morning there would be about 1,400 women with their babies that would line up in rows hoping to be admitted to the feeding center because their baby was so malnourished. And our nurses would go down through the lines. And when they feel between the fingers of the babies for fat content, and then from that they would choose 200 to 250 of the worst cases, when they all were worst cases, knowing that the ones that they didn't choose may die by tomorrow. And yet they could only take 250 uh, new cases every year, every day into the uh, feeding center. And so they would make their choice of the 250, go off in the corner and cry over those that were left that they knew might not make it. It was a heart-wrenching experience, and we all shed many tears over that. But uh, that's all we could do at that time. You write about um, an incident in which um, a woman was approaching you with a bucket uh, that she was hoping to be filled with grain so that she and perhaps her loved ones could survive. She didn't make it past uh, approaching you and that bucket wasn't filled because she died at your feet. Yes, she did, Georgine. And it was seared on my mind forever. I still have an image of her in my mind uh, that she died at my feet with a black bucket that Mm. she had brought to get the grain. And that bucket was only a couple of inches from her hand. They took a photo of it and gave it to me later and I've kept it ever since. Um, She had come seeking grain, and um, the Lord impressed upon me for years after that, Ron, there are millions of empty buckets in our world, and I want you to help fill those buckets. And I want you to tell people 
that there are empty buckets needing filled all over this world, even in your in your neighborhood, and that you are called by God to fill those buckets. That's our calling. Uh, we are to love our God and love our neighbor. And so that was seared into my memory forever. I'll never forget it. Just reading it, it's seared in my memory as well. I had the opportunity to serve on the board with um, Medical Teams International before the name change. And during the name change, I traveled uh, with Northwest Medical Teams. And I, I, I can't tell you what a blessing it was to witness firsthand the work that's being done and uh, what an imprint that that put on my heart. And it just seared you as a, a, a hero to me. Uh, for many, many years. I imagine there are some of our listeners who think, you know, if you knew my background, if you knew how old I am, there's no way that God could use me. Even if I were to hear his voice calling me in some way, I can't imagine myself qualified. You sort of address that in the book Unchained as well. Those who imagine that perhaps their background, uh, what they've suffered in the past, or maybe they've disqualified themselves because of their age. How do you respond to those who are reluctant because they've already decided, no, God would never use me? Oh, you know, Georgine, God, (laughs) Paul, the apostle, was very clear about that. He, He fought to the very end. Uh, because he knew he had to finish the race. And we all are in a race. God's called us all to this race of, of life. And we, can, we, can, we need to finish strong in it. Um, it. The Bible says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God uh, prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to do good works. God's called us to do that. And when I do that, when you do that, or anyone does that, that's what we're doing to fulfill God's calling on our own lives. And there are so many buckets to be filled. Mm-hmm. I think you're... I pray... Please, go ahead. Yes. Well, I just pray that people will understand that it is wonderful, and you're never too old to begin uh, there are so many people. My dear, blessed wife, Jean, uh, when she retired from medical teams, uh, she does such great work at medical teams. She didn't just sit down. She heard one Sunday about the uh, shut-ins in our church, and, and she thought, I, I need to send them a card encouraging them. And so she bought a ton of cards, Georgine, <laughs> and she would sit and write by the hour encouraging people uh, that are shut-ins, and she would mail them to her. You are never too old. There are people in the warehouse at Medical Teams International right now who are volunteering untold hours. I've talked to people that that have volunteered there for 10 years, 15 years, and they love what they're doing in helping them with packing medical supplies and getting them shipped off. And, of course, right now, medical teams is helping, as we speak, with the earthquake victims in Turkey. And, you know, they need volunteers to go in there and help them to do that great work they do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I tell you, it's uh, just amazing to consider what God can do when there's a willing heart You were a businessman. Your course was set. You were successful at what you were doing. And yet God said, I want you to do this. 
and you were willing to do it. And that seems to me is the main ingredient, a willing and open heart and compassion to do what God is calling you to do. Well, I'm just thankful that I did, Georgie. Uh, it's It's the greatest step I ever made in my life. And I encourage other people to take that step because, you know, even the the great mobile medical uh, dental units Mm -hmm. that uh, medical teams have, there are wonderful volunteer opportunities on those dental vans. Um, Dentists volunteer their time to to help on that van so that people of low income can have dental care. There's so much that we can do. And and I, you'll never feel better about your life than when you reach out to help another person. That's absolutely true. In addition to um, Medical Teams International, you are also responsible for founding Mission Increase. That's offered um, help to ministries, assisting them with biblical fundraising. And that has had a tremendous impact for other nonprofit organizations that are ministering to people around the world. It's been exciting. and. 1999, along with my dear friends, Dale and Gail Stockamp, we co-founded Mission Increase because we wanted to help Christian ministries to grow in their biblical fundraising. And it begins with, uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive, to let them know that those wonderful partners who are helping them in their ministry are partners in, in the ministry. And we, we work to try to show them how important those partners are. And so we give them free workshops uh, in all aspects of fundraising. And it's been wonderful how they've grown eight, ten times uh, their size uh, after taking these workshops. And so right now, Mission Increase is training somewhere around 3,500 ministries a year across the United States in biblical fundraising, and uh, it's making an impact uh, in non-profit, Christian nonprofits. Well, if I were to think of one word to describe your work in this, uh, in this life, it would be impact. You have had a significant impact, not only in the ministry that has gone forth from uh, this part of the world outward, but also in the lives of those who've had the opportunity to work with you, to Um, enjoy the fruit of your legacy. And I'm so grateful that we can claim you as an Oregonian and that you have written this book to help us better understand uh, how you arrived at um, the successful ministry uh, that you've been engaged in for many, many years. Once again, the book is called Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. Where can our listeners find Unchained? They can go to Amazon and order it, or they can go to ronpost.org ronpost.org, where they not only can order it, Georgine, but we post two new devotions a week on that website that's free, and they can enjoy those devotions. And I pray that it strengthens everyone that will read them. And so ronpost.org, they can order the book or Amazon. Ron Post, thank you so much for the work that you are doing and have done and for taking time to join us here today. Thank you, Georgine. God bless. Bye-bye. Bless you. 
Stay with us. We've got more on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Portland edition of The Georgine Rice Show. We spent a lot of time today and will in the days ahead focusing on what's happening in Israel and what that might mean, the concern over a broader ground war um, and uh, trying to make sense of it all, particularly in light of what we know the scriptures say about what to expect in the future, which may be the present. What we do know is that we can pray uh, that God would somehow reveal himself to all concerned and that he would uh, somehow bring glory out of this situation to himself. Well, again, focusing on what's happening there, Israel has retaken the border towns that were overrun by Hamas terrorists over the weekend, and they're continuing to ramp up their airstrikes on the Gaza Strip, According to the Israeli military that made an announcement earlier today, the IDF has killed roughly 1,500 Hamas terrorists since they stormed across the border on Saturday morning. The Israeli military announced and the Israeli Air Force is preparing to increase the tempo of its bombing campaign against Gaza as tens of thousands of Israeli troops mass on the border. Uh, Again, escalating rather significantly. Israel is going to respond very severely and aggressively, and there will be more loss of life. That's a uh, quote from a spokesperson for the Israeli military and a lieutenant colonel speaking to the journalists in Tel Aviv on Tuesday. The dynamic right now in uh, Gaza is that the scope of this is going to be bigger than before and more severe. We should uh, all change the paradigm here. This is not tit for tat, end quote. While the IDF, that's the Israeli Defense Force, has not yet issued the order for a ground invasion into Gaza. The military has called up a record 360,000 reservists in recent days, and they're building a base along the Gaza border to accommodate the large troop presence. We're building infrastructure for future operations. The last IDF incursion into Gaza occurred in 2014 and ended after seven weeks with dozens of Israeli soldiers and more than 2,000 Palestinians dead. Again, quoting from the uh, Mr. Hecht. Well, the military spokesman also said that the Air Force does not have the ammunition to fire warning shots known as roof knocks to warn Palestinian civilians to vacate a given building before it's destroyed by a follow up strike. Because we have right now this very, very big scale event, we are stretched with our aerial assets. We're stretched with our munitions. Well, in the past three days, over 900 civilians in Israel, including at least 14 Americans, have been killed by Hamas terrorists. At least 765 people have um, have been wounded or seriously uh, uh, injured and uh, have been killed by retaliatory strikes into Gaza, while thousands more have been injured on both sides. Earlier today, and of course it's night there, Iranian, or, or maybe approaching morning, Iranian Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khomeini denied Tehran had anything to do with Hamas's attack on Israel, despite the fact that Hamas thanked Iran. Uh, their long history of supporting the group also stands to bear some witness. Supporters of the Zionist regime, and I'm quoting, and some from the Usurping regimes have said some nonsense these past days that the Islamic Republic of Iran was behind this act. They are mistaken, he said, in a televised speech, if he is to be believed. Those who say the acts of the Palestinians come from non-Palestinians don't have a true understanding of the Palestinian people and make wrong calculations. Well, only he and they know uh, whether or not that's uh, the truth. And while the fighting continues, intelligence into how this um, incursion was missed... Uh, we'll have to wait. He went on to say, and again, this is Khomeini out of um, 
Iran. The Zionist regime's own actions are to blame for this disaster. Well, he also praised the militant group's assault on Israel. White House spokesperson John Kirby said on Monday that Iran has uh, was complicit in the Hamas attack, although he conceded there is no specific evidence tying Iran to it. Uh, Iran reportedly backed Hamas last Monday, according to the Wall Street Journal, and has even helped train Palestinian fighters for the highly coordinated invasion of Israel since August. And many have commented on how surprising it is that the Wall Street Journal had information on that, while the uh, White House did not seem to. Well, the IDF said it has uh, it was responding to shells fired from Syria into Israel uh, tonight. Some of the shells most likely landed in open fields in uh, Israel's Golan Heights, the military added. The IDF responded with artillery and mortar, fi- mortar fire rather uh, toward the source of the Syrian shelling. And, of course, the, uh, the concern is that this might uh, end up spreading to more fronts than are currently involved in this incursion. Well, in other news, um, elite media coverage implies that Israel had it coming, and that's in quotes. The initial hours of the assault saw hundreds of Israelis murdered, thousands wounded, dozens more kidnapped by Hamas operatives. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu pledged to turn all Hamas hiding spots in Gaza into rubble, warning civilians to flee. He also vowed to wipe out Hamas in Gaza essentially. The attacks on innocent Israelis in southern Israel reportedly included the rape of young girls, the beheading of infants, and yet the liberal media reaction to Hamas's terror attack that sparked a new war as um, is as expected. They blame Israel or insinuate that they had it coming. The New York Times, CNN, MSNBC were all um, all had their um, those poor Palestinian terrorists talking points. And this is before Israel retaliated into Gaza. These are the terrorists who crossed into Israel and murdered civilians. Well, comrade Hillary Clinton says MAGA conservatives need to be entered into re-education camps. Now, MAGA conservative translated, according to Hillary Clinton, as anyone who would have opposed her in her election campaign or disagrees with um, her worldview. Conservatives recoiled on Friday at the former secretary of state's recent suggestion that there should be a formal deprogramming of supporters of the former president. After Clinton uttered the claim in a Thursday interview with CNN anchor Christiane Amanpour, prominent conservatives and multiple GOP lawmakers ripped the high profile Democrat. At one point in the interview, she lamented that political debates in the country have grown more difficult because of extremist Trump supporters, their hold on the Republican Party. Authoritarianism Watch, according to Molly Hemingway, the former Democrat nominee for president, calls for re-education of political opponents. Mao would be proud. An appeals court will allow former President Trump to retain control of his businesses as he continues with a civil trial. An appeals court judge ruled on Friday to allow the former president to control his business interests for now, but refused a request to halt his Manhattan civil trial. Trump's lawyers had asked the state's intermediate appellate court to suspend the trial in New York with the Attorney General Letitia James lawsuit and prevent Judge Arthur and Gorin from enforcing his ruling of last week, which revokes the Republican frontrunner's business licenses and puts a court-appointed receiver in charge of his uh, companies. The judge rebuffed Trump's push to pause the trial, but agreed to leave him in control of his holdings again for now. Well, President Biden confirmed 14 Americans have been killed in uh, Israel by Hamas. 
The White House um, called a pre-noon lid for the day on Monday, despite a growing number of American citizens confirmed dead in the Hamas attacks. The administration finally published an impacted a statement attributed to the president on America's American citizens impacted in Israel. The president confirmed that at least 11 at the time, now 14 citizens were among those killed, many of whom made a second home in Israel without mentioning the party uh, responsible for the deadly attacks being Hamas. He also claimed the president, despite leaving countless Americans behind in the Taliban controlled Afghanistan, that the safety of American citizens, whether at home or abroad, is my top priority as president before making his only reference to Hamas in the seven paragraph statement. We now believe that there are at least 20 missing uh, Americans and many of whom are believed to be hostages of Hamas uh, from that initial attack. 31 Harvard student organizations blamed Israel for the Hamas invasion. Uh, The student organizations are holding Israel entirely responsible for the mass slaughter, sparking outraged condemnation. In a letter titled Joint Statement by Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Groups on the Situation in Palestine, 31 student organizations, including the Ivy League's uh, affiliate of Amnesty International, condemned Israel even as its residents are kidnapped and more than 700 had been killed by the terrorist organization. The groups claim Hamas' attack did not happen in a vacuum and... The Israeli government has forced Palestinians to live in an open-air prison for over two decades, according to the letter. Hamas leadership has a great deal to do with that isolation, but that's the subject for another conversation. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back for our final segment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has officially switched to independent. He declared his independence from the Democrat Party on Monday in Philadelphia, ending his campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination and launching an independent bid that he said aims to heal the political divide, which he portrayed as a fiction of a corrupt establishment. I intend to wrest the reins of power from both parties and give it to the American people, he said, comparing Republicans and Democrats to teenagers fighting over the steering wheel of an out-of-control car, but both following a GPS programmed by lobbyists. Kennedy has struggled to gain traction in the Democratic primary, even with voters expressing a desire that someone younger take the party banner from President Joe Biden. His views on issues like vaccines and abortion has left him outside the Democratic mainstream. Well, celebrities who support Israel are being shamed for doing so. Actor Josh Gad, best known for voicing Olaf on the animated Disney film Frozen, said he's been attacked and threatened by fans for voicing his support for Israel. The 42-year-old actor, who was raised Jewish, spoke out following the terrorist attacks on civilians by Hamas, uh, which occurred over the weekend. Gad said he's been receiving threats ever since, making his stance known. Actor Mark Hamill supports Israel and is receiving lots of hate as well. Ryan Knight, Luke Skywalker, he joined the dark side and supports apartheid and illegal occupation. Uh, Kylie Jenner has come under fire for posting and then deleting a photo on Instagram showing her support for Israel following a Hamas attack that killed hundreds. The youngest Jenner deleted the Instagram story post within an hour following backlash from some of her 400 million Instagram followers. Don't get involved in politics and say that you support Israel. Palestine has been suffering for ages, end quote. Slammed one person on the socialites uh, most recent post. Are you even human if you are with Zionists, wondered a second person. You will 
be silenced. Well, Hamas says it is open to a truce after raping and massacring Israelis. Some 40 infants were found beheaded earlier today. They have sown the wind, now the whirlwind they're trying to avoid. A senior Hamas official said the group is open to discussions over a possible truce with Israel, having achieved its targets. Masu Abu Malzouk told uh, Al Jazeera in a phone interview that Hamas is, was open to something of uh, that sort and all political dialogues when asked whether the Islamist group is willing to discuss a possible ceasefire. Despite this embarrassment, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken tweeted on Sunday that he had met with Turkish Foreign Minister Hakan Fidan. He added, I encourage Turkey their advocacy for a ceasefire. Blinken later took that one down as well, but other leftists continue to call for a ceasefire at a time when they could only have meant that Hamas would hit Israel and Israel would do nothing in response. Well, the Border Patrol is encountering a growing number of individuals on our terror watch list. This year, U.S. border agents have encountered a growing number of On the FBI's uh, watch list, trying to enter the country via the southern border, according to Homeland Threat Assessment, as of July, 160 migrants whose identities match those of the on the terrorist screening data set has been apprehended by Customs and Border Protection trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border during fiscal year 23 compared to 100 in the year 22 fiscal year ending in September 30th. And that's uh, that only. Uh, includes those who have been apprehended. A popular genealogy company has been hacked and the sensitive data of millions of users was taken. Over 12 million test kits have been sold since 2006. Personnel, uh, personal genetic data was stolen from the biotechnology company 23andMe, which offers genetic testing for ancestral history. The cyber attackers are reportedly targeting um, um Ashkenazi and Chinese users. 23andMe released a statement on Friday identifying data security concerns, saying that actors obtained information from certain accounts, including information about users' DNA relatives' profiles to the extent of a user's um, opt-in to that service. No deportation for you. Speaking of deportations, a new report released by House Republicans on the Judiciary Committee and the Immigration Subcommittee shows that the Biden administration's deportation rate of those in the country illegally who have been released into the U.S. is less than one percent since January of 21 of the two thousand rather two million one hundred forty eight thousand seven hundred thirty eight released just one hundred and eight thousand one hundred and two have been deported as of March 31st of this year. On the Biden brand, the SEC suit and James Biden, well, members of the Biden family are finding themselves in more legal trouble. This time, it's Joe Biden's younger brother, James, whose company has been sued by the Securities and Exchange Commission over a business deal in which James' company is alleged uh, to have uh, engaged in fraudulent conduct and gross breaches of fiduciary duty toward its clients. While James Biden is not directly charged with wrongdoing, his business partner, Michael Lewitt, has been. The SEC alleges that Lewitt, who um, uh, with sole authority of the fund, also misappropriated at least $4.7 million of investor funds for his personal use, including over 900000 to pay a personal IRS tax lien. On Monday, some 4,000 members of the United Auto Workers at Mack Trucks in three states walked off the job. The strike was initiated after the members voted down a tentative agreement. UAW President Sean Fain, he praised the decision by stating, I'm inspired to see UAW members at Mack 
holding out for a better deal and ready to stand up and walk off the job to win it. The tentative agreement with Mack Trucks included a 10 percent wage increase, rising an an additional 19 percent over the next five years, and a guarantee that health care premiums would not increase over the duration of the contract. It was rejected by 73 percent of workers, surprised Surprising Mack Trucks ownership, with Mack Trucks workers now striking, the number of UAW workers currently on strike has risen to 30,000, encompassing 22 states. Wow. Well, on this day in history, 1845, the U.S. Naval Academy is established in Annapolis, Maryland. 1913, the Panama Canal is effectively completed as President Woodrow Wilson sends a signal from the White House by telegraph, setting off explosives that destroyed a section of the Gamboa Dyke. 1957, President Dwight D. Eisenhower apologizes to the finance minister of Ghana after the official is refused seating at a Howard Johnson's restaurant near Dover, Delaware. Mm. 1962, President John F. Kennedy, responding to the thalidomide birth defects crisis, signs an amendment to the Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act requiring pharmaceutical companies to prove that their products are safe and effective prior to marketing. 1964, the first Summer Olympics is to be held in Asia are opened in Tokyo by Japan, Japanese Emperor Hirohito. 1967, the Outer Space uh, Treaty, which prohibits the placing of weapons of mass destruction on the moon or elsewhere in space, enters into force. 1973, Vice President Spiro Agnew is accused of accepting bribes, pleads no context, contest rather to one count of federal income tax evasion and resigns his office. 1985, U.S. fighter jets forces uh, an Egyptian plane carrying the hijackers of the Italian cruise ship Achille uh, Loro to land in Italy, where the gunman is taken into custody. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, stocks plunge as investors fear that rising interest rates and trade tensions could hurt company profits. The Dow Industrials fall 831 points, the worst loss for the index in eight months. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Dave King for engineering, and you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.